Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Today, I want to talk to you again about the most important thing about you, which is what you believe about God. If you believe that he's mad, he's distant, he's unforgiving, uncaring, or do you believe that he's loved, that he's forgiving? Do you believe he exists? Because if you don't believe he exists, it's going to affect everything about your life, what you believe about God. Uh, I want to start with a story about Steve Jobs, true story. Uh, he had a, a very strong crisis of faith at a young age. In uh, July of 1968, Life magazine put out its edition, the 12th of July, and on the cover with a picture of two children from a war-torn part of Africa, Nigeria, and during the civil war that took place there, either from the war itself or from famine, over a million people died. And at 13, Steve found it impossible to reconcile that picture with the lessons he was being taught in his local Lutheran church. Whereas the average 13-year-old would have shrugged it off and gone on with his 13-year-old life, Steve wanted answers. His biographer says this is what happened next. Steve took the magazine to Sunday school and confronted the church's pastor. He says, if I raise my finger, will God know which one I'm going to raise even before I do it? And the pastor answered, yes, God knows everything. Then Steve pulled out that Life magazine cover and asked, well, does God know about this and what's going to happen to those children? The answer he received was less than acceptable, according to the biographer. After that conversation, Steve never went back to church. But it wasn't the picture on the cover that undermined Steve's faith. It was the interpretation of the picture that drove him away. The conclusion he drew were that his Sunday school God and hungry children were irreconcilable. What you believe about God will affect your entire life. So I want to digress just a little bit. I want to take us back to the beginning, find out where, why we are where we are, and what is God really like? And what is God's will in different situations? In Genesis 1, verse 26, it says, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have Dominion. When God created mankind, he created mankind to have dominion. He was created to rule. In fact, God put, the Bible says, everything under his feet, under his authority. And God placed mankind in a beautiful garden. And this is what God said. He said, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend to guard and to keep it. He had responsibility to keep someone out of that garden, to keep certain things out of that garden. God said, you guard it, you keep it. But you and I know what happened. The devil came, Adam and Eve sinned, and literally what Satan did was he came and he took the dominion that God had given to Adam. And Job, it says it this way. He has stripped me of my crown, of my glory, 
to me and taken the crown from my head. The position that God had put Adam in, he lost that position. The dominion that he had, he lost that dominion. And Satan came in. Now the Bible says this in Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin. See, when Adam sinned, sin came into everything that he was over, all that he had dominion upon, and death and sickness and disease and war and famine and hatred and prejudice and abuse and addiction and poverty, natural disasters. You name the terrible thing, it came into the world when Adam sinned and death came into this world. Death came in through sin and everything that brings death. The Bible says that Jesus came and he came to take away the power of the one that had the power of death. Speaking of the devil. So many people think that God is doing all of the negative things that are happening in this world. In fact, when something bad happens, we call it an act of God. But it's not an act of God. It's an act of the devil. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Satan is called the God with a small g of this world. In John 14, Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming. Talking of the devil. He said, the ruler of this world, of this world system that we're in today. First John 5, 9. We know that we are of God and the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. Other translations say the power, the influence, the rule of the wicked one. See, the devil is alive and well on planet Earth. James 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. It, it is it's so interesting where the Bible says don't be deceived is where we are the most deceived. And it says don't be deceived about this. What comes from God? What doesn't come from God? Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. It comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So if it's good, it's perfect, it comes from God. And notice there is no very, God does not have bad Mondays, depressed Tuesdays, schizophrenic Wednesdays. There is no variation. There is not even a shadow of turning. You know, if, if, you, if you're out in there's a shadow. The longer that shadow is, the more it magnifies what you do. The Bible says you cannot even find even just the littlest bit of variation in God. He's good all the time. If it's good, if it's perfect, it comes from God. John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief, the devil, he does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Everything that kills, steals, and destroys is of the devil. He said, but I have come that you may have life and may have it more abundantly. Now, really, this verse, we can call it the great divide. Everything that kills, steals, and destroys is not the will of God. Everything that brings life, an abundant life, 
That's God. That's why Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of the devil, the things that kill, steal, destroy. So I want you to just say something. I want you to repeat this. Say, good God, bad devil. Say it again. Good God, bad devil. One more time, real loud. Good God, bad devil. Every time. Every time. See, now, if, if we can understand that and get that in our hearts, we are farther along than probably 90% of theologians. That God is good. The devil is bad. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Now, listen, the devil is a malevolent, wicked personality. He is a being, a spiritual being. He is not the sum of all the evil in the cosmos. And notice the Bible says that he is your adversary. James said, resist him and he will flee from you. And listen, the last time you resisted him is the last time he fled. And you say, well, I've never met him. Well, he showed up at your house. Trust me. He knows your address. He even knows whether you cut your grass this week. He knows all about you. And his strategy is to kill, steal, and destroy from you. That, that is his goal. That is his plan. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Now listen, if everything that happened was what God wanted to happen, why would you need to resist? If everything that came your way is from God, you ought to embrace it. Even the people who say they believe it don't believe it. Somebody said, well, God gave me this cancer to teach me. And they go and hire the best surgeon in Grand Rapids to cut it out. Well, if it's really from God, you ought to pray for another one. Something on the inside of you, you know on the inside, this is not God. This is not good. This is not right. This is not an abundant life. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. I, I am not saying this to, to attack, but if you believe everything is from God and it's just God punishing you or testing you or, or doing something, you're, you're more like a Buddhist and you believe everything that happens is supposed to happen. It's karma. It's paying for the things that you have done. Listen, the Bible does not teach karma. The Bible teaches grace. And grace is unmerited favor. It's you don't get what you deserve. Karma is you get what you deserve. So just take it. Get it done with. But grace is unmerited favor. And the Bible tells us that this is the time of God's grace, of his favor on your life. The New International Version really popularized the, the, the idea of what I would call radical sovereignty. In 288 verses in the New, New International Version, the, the phrase sovereign Lord appears where in other translations it was Lord God or Almighty God. And really even sovereign Lord is not bad if you look at it the way that a dictionary would look at it. When you apply the word sovereign as a noun, it means a king, a queen, a noble person, one who serves as chief of state, a ruler, or a monarch. Yeah, that's good. 
uh, as an adjective, it's the, the word is, speaks of something being paramount or supreme, and God is paramount. He's supreme. Uh, another definition is having supreme rank or power. God has that. He's at the top of our food chain, so to speak. Nobody tells him what to do. He's, an, he's absolutely supreme. And another definition is self-governing or independent. How many of you know the United States is a sovereign nation? We're not under somebody else's rule, and God is not. And the sovereign, the word comes from the Latin word meaning super or above. And in all of those ways, God is sovereign. But what religion has done, it has come along and concocted its own definition of sovereign, meaning that God controls everything and that nothing can happen without it being his will. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that there is an evil, malevolent spirit called the devil. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He's the one who brought sin and death and sickness and disease and war and poverty into this world. 1 John 3, verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. If there were no works of the devil, Jesus would not have needed to have come. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Everybody say, Jesus healed those oppressed of the devil. Not God. God wasn't the one who sent sickness. Ultimately, it came back to the devil who brought sin and death and sickness and disease into this world. 1 Timothy 2, 4, God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's will, that every person be saved. How many of you know someone who died without God and stepped into eternity without God? How many know somebody? That was not God's will. The Bible is very clear. He wants everyone to be saved. Jesus in the synagogue, there's a woman who's bent over. She can't rise herself up. She's been bent for 18 years. Jesus goes over, puts his hands on her and says, be loosed of your infirmity. And she straightens up immediately. And the ruler of the synagogue said, hey, you people do not come on Saturday to be healed. Only come on another day. You can't come on, sun, on Saturday to be healed. And Jesus said, ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, Think of it for 18 years. Be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. Who bound her? Satan. Was it God? No. Jesus, that's what Jesus said. This is in the, the Psalms. It's also repeated again in Hebrews. I have come to do your will, O God. He came to do the will of God. And healing was the will of God, not bondage. In 1 Peter, again, 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Satan is the one who goes about seeking to devour. He's the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree. That's what I, He said, you eat of that tree, you're going to bring death into this world. You will surely die. Sin's going to come, death's going to come, sickness, disease, war, famine, pestilence. 
It's going to come. But what happened, they disobeyed God and ate of the tree and let things into this world. Andrew Womack tells a story about his father dying when he was 12 years old. The pastor came and set him down. And I quote, he said, Andy, God needed your dad in heaven more than you needed him. Andrew said this, he said, even at 12 years old, I knew better than that. He said, that wasn't God who brought the death. How many realize God did not bring death into the world? The devil brought sin and death and all of its ramifications. And so often we blame God for everything that happened. But the truth is, Satan is the prince of this world. He's the God of this world. The Bible says the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to bring life and to bring abundant life. That's why the Bible says in 2 Peter that he's given us exceedingly great and precious promises that by them we may become partakers of the divine nature. God wants us to receive what he has for us, but we've got to receive it by faith. We've got to get in his word and find out what he's done for us. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creature, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see, when you get right with God, you need God to introduce you to yourself because of what he does in you and what he has for you. 2 Samuel 14, verse 14. For surely we die, become like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Yet God does not take away life. Yet God does not take away life. God is not the one who brought death into this world. In fact, the Bible says this, that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He has no pleasure when somebody wicked dies. He wants them to get saved. He wants them to get right. right? He wants them to come back into relationship with him. Yet God does not take away life, but devises means so that his banished ones will not be expelled from him. That's what God wants. He wants everybody to get back into right relationship with him. And Jesus is telling what the kingdom of God is like. And he says, it's like a woman who loses a coin and she drops everything and she does nothing but search until she finds the coin. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God's like. And then he says, the kingdom of God is like somebody, a shepherd with a hundred sheep who loses one sheep. And he leaves the 99 at home and goes in search of the one that's lost. Most of you know that Jeannie and I, we were missionaries in Mexico. Uh, I have a good friend who preached a sermon on the hundred sheep. But in Spanish, a sheep is an oveja. But an old lady is a vieja. So he meant to preach on the hundred sheep, but he preached and said the Lord had a hundred old ladies and lost one. So he left the 99 old ladies at home and went and searched for the old lady that he had lost. And when he finally found the old lady, he threw her over his shoulder. And he brought the old lady home rejoicing. Listen, God's looking for one lost person. He's looking for every lost person because every single 
person is valuable to God. Jesus said, what would it profit you if you gained the world, but you lost your soul? He said, every person, every person is worth more than the whole world. And then Jesus tells a story about a lost son. We call it the prodigal son. He came to his father and said, hey, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. Give it to me now. He takes it. The Bible says he goes to a far country. He wastes it all in prodigal living. And when his funds are gone, a famine comes and he finds himself working for a farmer feeding sheep. And, and if, you, if you know anything about Jewish custom, there'd be no lower job for a Jewish boy than feeding some, I said sheep, it's feeding pigs, excuse me. And the Bible says he wished he could eat the food that the pigs were getting, but no one gave him anything. And he said, even the hired servants at my father's house, they have it better than I do. So I will arise and I will go to my father and I'll say, I've sinned against heaven and against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose. And this is what I think is so interesting. Jesus said, the father saw him when he was still afar off. The father was looking. He saw him when he was afar off and the father gets up and runs. And he gets to him and he hugs him. And the son starts to talk and his father just cuts him off and says, go kill the fatted calf. Bring him a robe. Bring him new sandals. Put a ring on his finger because this my son was lost and now he's found. You know, the Bible says if you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. See, you take a step towards God, God's going to run. He's going to run towards you. You see, so many people think God is distant, he's unconcerned, he's unloving, he's unforgiving, but nothing could be farther from the truth. And so often we blame God for the things that happen. And sometimes it's, it's nothing but our disobedience that causes those things to happen. In Numbers 14, the children of Israel have disobeyed God. And God said, you don't believe, so go back into the desert and I'm going to bring your children into the promised land. And they said, no, 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 no. Uh, we, we changed their mind. We'd like to go now. And it says they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Presumption. It wasn't faith. It wasn't obeying God. It was actually disobeying God. And, and I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to people who presume that something is the will of God, but they don't have a clue what the will of God is because they don't get in their Bible to find out what the will of God is. And it says, nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp and the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came down and attacked them and drove them back. And they thought God let them down, but God didn't let them down. God told them, don't go. And they presumed to go. It's amazing how often we do something and think that it's God, but it's not God. We were just in disobedience to what God had told us to do. Because God cares about every single aspect of your life. He cares what happens to you. When Adam and Eve sinned, God came down and was looking for them. And he came down every day. But this day was different because Adam and Eve have sinned and they're hiding from God. When you're not right with God, you hide from God. And they're afraid. They're afraid of God. And the truth is this, hey, maybe somebody had to drag you to church this morning. 
because you're not right with God. You're distant from him and they're hiding. And God says, hey, where are you? And he said, well, look, I'm hiding. I'm afraid. And he says, hey, and I'm, I'm naked. And God said, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? And so much of what we believe about God, we did not get from our Bible. We got from society or we got it from the devil himself. You know, so many people really believe that God is up in heaven with a big fly swatter waiting for them to step out of line, that God is holding everything against them that they've ever done wrong. But the Bible says this, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting or holding men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Do you understand? God is not mad at a sinner today. He's not holding their sins against them. Jesus came and paid the price in full. And if the devil is telling you today, you've done too much, you've gone too far, God won't forgive you, it's a lie, he's already forgiven you. You just need to receive what he has for you. When the angels came and announced Jesus' birth, they said this, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. That's what God wants. God wants peace. His, he has goodwill towards men. It's the time of his favor. But the, 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 who told you that you can't be forgiven? Who told you you've gone so far? There's no forgiveness for you. Who told you that God won't bless you? God won't heal you. God won't deliver you. Believe me, it's not the Bible. It's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit. It is the devil that told you that you're worthless, that you're stupid, that you're not loved, that you're not valuable, that you don't have purpose. It's the devil who told you you're never going to get free. It's the devil who told you God's punishing you. It's the devil who told you that God is distant. It's the devil who told you God is not concerned. It's the devil who said you messed up things so bad, not even God can straighten it out. It's the devil who told you those things. See, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. If you go to the store and there is a price tag on something and you decide you want to buy it, you make an exchange. You believe that the $300 that you hold in your hand is of equal or superior value or benefit to that, that thing that you are going to purchase. There is an exchange. The Bible says that God bought you. He bought you. He looked at you and there was a price tag on you. The price tag was that Jesus had to leave heaven and put on a suit of humanity. He had to live a sinless life. He had to confront sin and the devil. And then he had to go to the cross and he had to shed his blood and pay for you. Pay the price to redeem you. Pay the price to get you back. You notice the word is redeemed. If you go to a pawn shop and you need money, you bring in an item and you say, we'll give you so much. And you've got 30 days to come back 
and you can buy it back for what I'm giving you right now plus a little fee. And you get your money and you go back and you redeem what was lost, what was given. And what God did, he said, I lost relationship with you. But I sent Jesus to pay a price, to go and suffer, to shed his blood, and to pay for all that you owed so he could redeem you and buy you back into right relationship with himself. Now, when he did that, he put a value on you. He said, you're worth the life, the suffering, and the blood, and the death of my son. He loves you. He values you. He cares about you. And Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Don't blame God for what the devil has done, the one who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.